Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, the J10 Initiative. Welcome to the podcast, Father John. Here we are, and Father Mike. And then this. Well, Stuffy. There's a fish. And a fish, a a beanbag fish. Do you know what this is? Dude, okay, let me guess. I think I've seen these before. Well, okay. this one is... Okay, he's he's holding a fish that looks like a stuffed animal. Yeah. It's about three feet. It would be a pretty good fish if you pulled it out of the lake. I'm going to guess... It sounds like there's beads inside. I'm going to guess that it's one of these um, microwave it hot pad things. Totally. And then you wrap it around your shoulders while you're watching a, rom- a rom-com. Exactly. So my mom bought me one of these years ago for Christmas, and I... I Scorned her gift. Oh. I said, I'm not keeping that. It looks ridiculous. I'm never going to use that thing. And sure enough, every time that I do something stupid, like deadlifting last week, uh. and hurt my back, she always says, well, you can borrow the fish. <laughs> so here I am. So she still has the fish? She has many of these. That has a label on it bellies. as if it's new. I mean, I think it is new. I think she buys it? these things all the time. How long can you, how many years can you use a <laughs> fish before you return it and they won't take it back? I, I'd love to return this to REI, see what they say. I I could wrap this whole thing around my body. <laughs> it's a big fish. So Is it comfortable? I don't know. I haven't tried it. I just picked it up today from my mom. So. She just has this stuff ready to go. You Dude, know? you're going from tragedy to tragedy. I am. <laughs> you get your stuff. You break your back with the deadlifts. It's been... That's about form, right? That's stupid, though. You know what it is? It's... I started lifting again because everybody tells me, you're in your 40s now. You got to do more strength yeah, training. Right. So I'm like, it, okay. What is that? Like heavy load-bearing exercise? Right. Because I guess we're all like... It's for bone density, dude. There you go. I've been working on this for time. That's good. And I've heard it's really good for performance and everything. So, of course, I'm thinking like... Well, back in the day, you know, we used to deadlift whatever amount. Oh, yeah, CrossFit. I wasn't doing anything that stupid, but I definitely, too much going. Didn't have the form like I thought I used to, and then, so here Did I am. It just with, tweaks? You just feel a little that little tweak. Yeah, it's not the end of the world. Sharp pain? So here I am living with the fish. Looks like you're walking well, though. I am, yeah. I just had to rest for a few days. And um, then, and then the when was the last time you were on Santa Fe Boulevard when the power steering in your car went out? Right. So you're coming back from your mom's, grabbing with, the fish. With my fish. So I'm in an Uber with this thing. The lady's looking at me like, what the hell's wrong with that guy? But holding my fish, that's all I have. <laughs> it's just me and my fish. It's <laughs> like a random guy on Santa Fe uh, getting an Uber to go. So what did you do? You get to car towed? I got it to Man, the shop. Man, that's stressful. It was stressful. I was trying to turn. Everybody's honking at me, and you, oh, you're like man. muscling the thing just to turn. You got it. a big truck too. Oh man, those things. See, this is a surprise to me because I consider those things to be tanks that never go wrong. I know. You That's, know, all Toyotas are like that. I know. And I don't know what the Japanese got into. It's like alchemy. They hit it. Yep. They hit it right there in the. I would. 90s. I would totally agree. This one though seems to be. It's like me. It's like it thinks it's still. 60,000 miles on it. It's got 220. Yeah, right. It just so, tweaked his back yeah. and the power steering went out. Can you use the fish on the truck? Yeah, I was laying it on the front of it. Just <laughs> easy, buddy. Easy. Just rest a little bit. No, we got it to the shop, and the guy thinks it might be the uh, timing belt. I don't know. Larkin would say it's the Babcock valve. You know. Yeah, yeah. Pyloric valve. Pyloric valve. So, yeah. How's uh, Shark Tooth doing? Or what do you call that thing? You know, she, uh, yeah, Shark Tooth. She she was doing good, and then this glow plug light went on, 
and it's flashing. It looks like a little piggly wiggly. This is how fancy about cars I am. Yeah. The little piggly wiggly goes on and it's flashing. So I take it to the shop. Well, I'm doing a race in Phoenix and shout out Will, uh, Will Schmidt down there. Father Will. Nice. This is SY. Great crew. I think I already shouted you out, but um, he gave me a place to stay. Uh, Matt Tynan, great Catholic, great family, um, cool folks. He gave me a car to get down there while I dropped off mine at his shop. Okay. Okay. So they're working on the Piggly Wiggly and I get the, you know, the, the notice by email. Here's the five things that you should fix, two of which are critical at the top, right? Well, I don't have the money to pay for both of them, mm-hmm. so I only opt for the top one. Okay. Thinking, well, oh, they must be scaled. Right. Was the top one the Piggly Wiggly, or was it? Well, I th- I, that's what I thought, okay. right? And I g- had that impression. So I get the thing done. I come back from Phoenix. I forget about that. Pay the bill. I was stressed about paying it. I, I live pretty tight. Mm-hmm. I give a lot of money away, but I try to live kind of tight budget-wise and don't have a lot of savings. Unwise. Okay. All, to all you kids out there. I don't take credit though. You know, yeah. like I don't do credit. Right. Um, also unwise for all you kids out there. By the time you're 40, you should have whatever. Anyhow, I get that. I pay just enough and then I'm leaving and the sh- shop two days later, bing, Piggly Wiggly Piggly comes Wiggly back comes on. on. They turned it off. I bring it back. I, I get all frustrated. Hey, what do you, you told me you just fixed this. What did I pay for? I'm, why am I right back here? This is so, you know, terrible. And so I'm, you know, sorry, sir. We're going to have to bring it in, diagnose it and everything. I'm like, oh, come on. What did, you know? What did, and then I wondered, like, can I trust these people? Yeah. Because I don't know any different. I right. don't know any better. And when they say they did this or that, it looks like in the reports that they had already done. Well, it turns out it was the other thing that I opted out of uh. that I declined. And... I am all to blame, but they really graciously took the blame. I'm sorry. We'll do it all for free. All this extra service work, you pay the parts, whatever. So it turned out pretty good for me, but um, I was got pretty frustrated because I don't know cars well enough and then blamed it on them and I feel bad. So <laughs> I don't know how to make it up to them, like say a rosary for them, I guess. Yeah. And then, I don't know, Shark Tooth's doing good now. I put some fuel injector fluid in them gas tank switched out the air filter today oh man you're on it oh baby you're on it she's running good because you remember when it gets cold she doesn't start well yeah that's true um but that's that the fuel injector is gonna help with that that's good (laughs) so there's your update on the cars folks um i got a question i've been thinking about asking you today before we get into the topic wait can i talk more about automobiles i do actually one more though okay um i swear that i was thinking about this i was gonna shout out Denver Sanitation. Okay. Because they, uh, <laughs> my alley today was looking fantastic. I mean, all week long, I'm like having to drive over mattresses and there's furniture pieces all out and trash everywhere in our in our alley. It's disgusting and really like it, it, it causes anxiety, you know? You can just feel it. And then today, for whatever reason, the alley was immaculate. And I think it was a combination of Denver sanitation and good neighbors. So I owe you good neighbors. I've seen some of you out there picking up trash and sweeping around the dumpsters and everything. 
but the dumpsters were empty. Oh man, it was nice. That's nice. And then I come over here, and you, your dump truck crashed into your house. Yeah, we're we're not a big fan <laughs> of Denver sanitation, but I respect your uh, your shout out nonetheless. Some yeah. people resent paying taxes today. I felt great. Yeah. I say I'll pay you double next time. Yeah. Denver sanitation. Do you do like community service things like you and Jerry and? Richard and no, Kathy and all the neighbors, like you guys get together and no, 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 we should though. There's, you know, there's those apps that are good neighbor. Oh, apps. I don't know. That. Okay. Are you on there? Uh-uh. Well, you should be. I know you're a neighbor to all these people. Down I here. know. I don't know. It's like neighborhood watch and stuff like that. Okay. Gotcha. Anyway, I do my service once in a while, but it's not organized. Yeah. You do plenty of service in the yard for the companions. <laughs> Mike kind of accidentally, oh, like man. one time mowed the lawn and they're like, Lifetime appointment to the companion's house, yard, capo. Well, and the other thing is one of the guys, oh, well, no, this is how it works. A guy will shovel once and it'll be inconvenient to him Yeah, because he would rather have gone to his parish or, you know, he had to get up earlier or go out in the cold or whatever. They'll do it once and then they will never let you forget. Yeah. Even though I do it probably 20 (laughs) times over the course of the season. They're just like, oh, I can't believe I had to, whatever, ice this thing. And then they roll their eyes. Yeah. If there's snow out there and no one else has done it, they're like, well, yeah. I've done my, sh- you haven't done your share. I haven't seen you in a bit. It's nice to catch up a little bit. I got two, two questions. I'm just full like, of rants today. No, I got to get, I got to get you on two other rants here. Um, I read Pride and Prejudice the last few weeks, and I want to hear your, just your hot take on Jane Austen. Thumb up, thumb down. What's your thought? Thumb down, thumb first down. of all. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta be that didn't honest. Take long. Okay. Um, I think it's like maudlin, you know, women's pre uh, soap opera, soap opera stuff. Okay. Um, respect to deeper thinkers, I guess. I'm sure you are, and all of these other folks. She's a good writer. She wouldn't be famous if it weren't the case. Not my style. Not my style. So. It's cute, great. I'm glad it's out there for people who love it, but uh, no thank you. All right, that's good. Even just like Victorian. All things Victorian. I don't care yeah. about... I do like Shakespeare, but then all things Victorian and British. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It really does make me gag. <laughs> that's Even good. Even like, what is that, Brideshead? Blah. Not a fan of Brideshead. Okay. Oh, you really don't like... I just don't like Britain, I guess. Yeah, that's you true. Know. That's true. I'll take you tea, and you can have the rest. Well, I'm gonna. I. I uh, I'm what, gonna, what did so, you think? I'm I with ask you. you. I'm with you, and I. I um, struggled with it for. I have. I have guys in the seminary who just love this book. Just yeah. think it's the greatest thing ever. It, it now, came together. I, admittedly, I haven't better. read it for a while. Yeah. And since reading Pride and Prejudice, I read some Bronte. Okay. Which is worse. Worse. <laughs> worse. So then it all gets colored. Because I was like, is this the Fifty Shades of Grey for the Victorian era for oh, the yeah, 1830s? Man, that was a turn on. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. Second question. Wait, wait. So you didn't you didn't get it? I I, I enjoyed it. The second half, I kind of came together. Um, Mr. Darcy characters. Yeah. I like the guy. It was a good good some good plot twists, and it came together. But the style, I'm with you. It's stiff. It's the Victorian thing. I'm, I can't really. If a guy leaves seminary because he goes all romantic, like Anna that, Elizabeth. Yeah. Eh. Maybe he should leave. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's either her. I'd rather her than Ana de Armas or whoever is their movies they're watching. So. Oh, she's beautiful. I know. I know. Yeah. So anyways. Beauty fades, though. <sighs> beauty fades. What is that proverb? Charm is deceptive and beauty fading. Oh, fleeting. Beauty yeah. is fleeting. That's yeah. right. 
Backs Num- go out. Num- okay. Backs go out. Fish are the only thing that stay with you. Hey, the fish uh, belly. Speaking of beauty, I want to shout out uh, Father Tim Danaher, yeah. <laughs> who happened to be here, and I was so happy to see him. Yeah, he's just looking good. Yeah, <laughs> we were all right. Quiet context here. We were just laughing before recording about. Can you ever say to a guy, <laughs> "You're looking, hey, good. you're looking good," because uh, he just said that to somebody. Mike did. <laughs> Yeah, he is looking good. Uh, <laughs> I hadn't seen him in a while. Yeah. Not that he wasn't looking. I think he looks the exact same, though. What, do you mean like? No, like, he looks the same. I'm just teasing yeah. Father Tim Danaher. It was great. He's, he's the gentleman of gentlemen. I love seeing him. Well, you know what's interesting? It's you, always a little awkward because I was just so busy with the meal prep. Yeah. And I know, like, I'd, I'd rather just sit and be present with him. He's so sharp. You have to really be present. Yeah. That's funny you call him a gentleman because... I told him, I said, man, you don't seem to fit the mold for the East Coast Dominicans. And he said, there's four kinds. Mm-hmm. There's cowboys. Oh, I heard some parts of gentlemen, this, but I, I didn't get it. Wizards and uh, robots. Is Those this true universally? All I, over I know the you world? don't like boxes, but I thought that was very yeah. funny. And he's a cowboy. So that's well, Lick, he's a gentleman. He, he said, so. He's a cowboy. Lick, he's a gentleman. Friend. I'm I'm guessing that something about the cowboy has to do with freedom and rebellious. I think so. But but he likes, he said, you companions out here are a bunch of cowboys. That's yeah. why I like you guys. The Minnesota companion is a bunch of gentlemen. I see. Okay. Yeah. That's and right. I said, they're, uh, they're earnest. They're earnest. They're earnest and sincere men. Question gentlemen, number, do you question consider number yourself two, oh, more got, of a gentleman now that you know Mr. Darcy? I don't. I don't. Okay. Yeah, but he is. Well, he's kind of a cowboy. Not going to lie. In a Victorian way. Question number two. Um, Christmas music during Advent. What's your take on this? Do it. Bring it. I love it all. Thank I'll do you. it. I'll do it from Thanksgiving. I like the decorations. I don't care. Thank I think you. it's a great thing, and it's a gift to the greater society. Everybody's a little bit happier. Things smell good. We did a l- our lessons and carols, right. and they sang my favorite one, which is like. <laughs> Merry, 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 merry Christmas. Um, Carol of the Bells. Because our favorite companion, Humbug, Father Brian Larkin, is dead against this and preaches for weeks, weeks on it. He starts in August, I think. Yeah. And starts I do remember him preaching to his people. A crusader here. But Tim Danher told me something interesting. Is he, he a said, Scrooge? He's a bit of a Scrooge. Hmm. But he, Tim told me, he said, uh, prior to Vatican II, Advent wasn't really a thing liturgically. Oh, really? That was one of the the positive reforms of the liturgical okay. renewal that happened to Vatican II. What happened II. before Christmas? We got Advent. It wasn't much, I guess. Oh. There's a Tim tool. I'll take it on his authority. But that being said, I was like, okay, then, was it just some like homeschool co-op in the Midwest in like the late 90s who decided that like this is just verboten to listen to Christmas music before the 17th of December? Because it's like, where did this come from? This yeah. kind of ap- this moral absolute. I'm with you. Should we be listening to Santa Baby on Thanksgiving Day? Probably not. Probably never. But, man, some of the classic Christmas hymns. Oh, yeah. They, they well, tie into look, Advent. Look, They're similar themes. All you got in Advent is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, over and over <laughs> and over and over. So if that's the only Advent thing, let's do Santa Baby. You know, you don't bring it in the church, but I've been asking people, what's your, what's your go-to? Is it Mariah Carey, Bing Crosby, or the chipmunks. 
Oh, you remember man. the oh, Christmas? No. The chipmunks, the worst. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. Uh, are you a Mariah Carey or Bing Crosby go to? I am a or Clay Aiken. My mom likes Clay. Clay Aiken. I like the old stuff. I like the Frank Sinatra, the Rat Pack stuff. We were listening to Vince. It's not Guardini, uh, Guardani or whatever the you know the trio that does all the Charlie Brown Christmas stuff. We were listening to that last. Yeah, night. yeah, yeah. But yeah. I could tell the guys were kind of like. You know, father. Oh, really? There were a little bit, but I said doesn't I'm, even catch my attention. Not, I didn't until you brought it up. I forgot about the the whole dilemma. And I love it. Sufjan Stevens has a great Christmas album. Josh Garrels has a great Christmas album. Like, there's just like wonderful stuff. And it doesn't like overshadow your Christmas. Do you know that Melly Kaliki Monkey? I always think of uh, Chris and Natalie Stefanik because they love Hawaii. Whenever that one comes on, I think that's Bing Crosby, something like that. Ah, yeah. I should reach out. Yeah. That one will get in my head. Kevin and Emma Piper are always Hawaii. Oh, there you go. Around this time. So I'm Melly Kaliki Maka them. But I always think of like a grass skirt. Oh, yeah. You know? So that's not necessarily Christmas. It, does, it doesn't seem Christmassy, but. Well. I'm feeling Christmassy, and I'm happy right. that you are as well. And Merry, um, Merry, Merry, so Merry, gonna, Merry Christmas. We're going to co- stay on the theme. This is going to come out on the 23rd. And uh, so I'm just going to rehash a little material that you might have unfortunately had. Oh, you didn't hear it. It was at the, you were um, sick, the Companions Conference. They asked me to give a little talk. Oh, yeah. So. Shout out to all the friends. I'm sorry that I've, I have been sick since the race. Yeah. I must have really worked my... Yeah, immune man. system over and then it's just been hard to recover but yeah. i don't know it is what it is i was there you know the the day before i'm in fraternal group with greg peterson we're on the phone for an hour or so sharing our life and everything and i told him i'm not sure what i think about this friend raiser tomorrow i'm feeling a little run down and kind of sick but um you know I'll, and he said well, you're not coming this is a mingler yeah if you're sick, this is a, this is a mingler. You're not going to mingle all of our friends to death. And, and I thought, wow. I mean, I didn't think about it like that. I was yeah. just going to try to stay, you know, healthy and not cough on people or sanitize the hands or whatever. Right. Oh no. He shut so, it down. Then I had like exposed myself, and Greg was going to embarrass me if I went. He'd be, you know, what I mean. Yeah. So it was like, kind of like, all right. Well, he's probably right. Just to protect people instead of be tough well we missed you okay but the silver lining is that you get to hear we get to riff on this content here together yeah which anybody who was there is gonna be like oh they already know phil bartline says to me as i'm walking up let's hear some new let's hear some new content nubble oh and i was like there is none this is the same stuff yeah it's I, gonna be the same I, but i love advent i know you love advent it's christmas it's very it's a marion season and hey phil invent a new liquor how about that <laughs> It's all the same. Uh, so I want to talk about light today. Yeah, all right. And this is a theme that I think you're going to have some interesting things to say about because um, basically I want to do a Mary logical read on 1 John chapter 1, 5 to 10, where, where St. John talks about God is light. But before that, I want to say I, what I started thinking about with light was, do you know who this guy Bishop Eric Varden is? Mm-mm. Very cool. Very cool guy. Oh. He was a he was in Cambridge. He's Norwegian. Was in Cambridge, became a Carthusian or a Trappist. I forget one of the two for like ten years, and then was named the Bishop of Trondheim, Norway. Which and was the, the monastery stuff was in Scandinavia or in Britain? In Britain. Okay. 
But they just founded a Trappist monastery that goes back to like the sixth century. How do you know? How do you know this guy? Is he because a podcaster? Writes books? Or he is? I he, know you know everybody. But I don't. I don't know him. Obscure I really guy, want to cool know him. Guy in this, Norway? No, I'm just ripping this off the pillar like everything. The hey, pillar cool, features his cool stuff. Bishop Varden in Norway. Let's hang. Let's ski the fjords. Yeah. So Varden. So one of the companion seminarian, or sorry, Helena Montana seminarians, is Norwegian. Carter Anderson, or of Norwegian descent, we have to qualify because Joe McGill's probably listening. He's like, none of you in America are actually ethnic. You just say these Whatever. things. Anyways, go side home. note. Go home, McGill. So he, he writes to Bishop Varden, who's doing a, uh, and you got the Scandinavian thing, so you're yeah, going to love this. Swedish. He, yeah, this kid, this kid from brethren. Minnesota writes to him, and he says, I'm going to be in Europe this summer, and I'd love to come up to Norway. Um, my family's from near Trondheim, which is Nidaros, which is the, the ancient pilgrimage capital because it was the the burial place of saint olaf the king who converted and totally i think in the 12th century um so bishop varden writes him back and says uh yeah we're doing this whole pilgrimage across norway like a camino style thing to uh trondheim and you should join us so he hiked with this guy for weeks and i started reading his stuff and he's just awesome he's just he's just amazing have a particular theme he likes light because light is a a rare commodity and well, this is, this is what I read from him. And Where does that mean? No, they get more light, right? Uh, so they get... Longer days. So listen to this. This will okay. answer your question. This is what he wrote. He's got this little... It's like a mini blog type thing. It's nice. It's a little, little digestible little things every once in a while. Today the sun was seen for the last time this year in Tromso. This is on November 27th. Uh. It will not be visible again until the 14th of January. To look forward to Christmas in such a climate is singularly meaningful. The great themes of liturgy speak with urgency, and we are challenged to face with courage the darkness in our own hearts, our constitutional need for illumination. Whoa. So that's how he starts this thing. So Tromso is way, way, way north. So like if you've ever, I went to Norway with Coop and, and some of his family. Trondheim is like the top of the uh, kind of mainland, and then it kind of skirts up. Oh, you yeah. Know? And Sweden does that, and Finland does that. This, and this is, is where this up Santa the, Claus and the reindeer are. Exactly. This is up in the Arctic Circle. Yeah. So November 27th, the sun sets, and it's not coming back up until the 14th of January. That is nuts. Isn't that crazy? So they're about two and a half weeks get, in like, total dusk? darkness. Is there some dusk? I think there's like a dusk that settles. Do you remember that guy from that Alaska? Um, the big kind of jolly fellow, uh, cannon lawyer. Walsh? No, the Alaska. He was an Alaskan priest from yeah. Anchorage. I forget his name, uh, but he th- it said something similar happens up in up in the north of Alaska, and he said there's a little dusk around well, that's midday. That's going to drive me crazy not remembering his name. Go on. Um, we'll, we'll think of it. But then in the summer, I was there in the end of May, early June, and the sun would set at about midnight. This is in the mainland of Norway, so I'm sure up north it's just 40 days of pure sun. So it's a very interesting place. Yeah. But it occasioned this interesting Advent reflection from uh, the good Bishop Varden. Long winter nights make the stakes come alive. Ooh, I like that, you know. Make and, the stakes come alive. Yeah. And they incite our, what was it, in, instinctual. Our constitutional need constitutional for illumination. Constitutional need, yeah. yeah. So he, he's talking about this kind of chiaroscuro, light darkness playing out in the Advent season and just the way that in Norway they're, they're really physically challenged and reflecting on this like light means something mm-hmm. because as we know christmas begins um or is celebrated classically with nature people think that we just took pagan holidays but christian holidays christian feasts are rooted in jewish feasts which are rooted in creation 
So all history, of the, all of history, the religions track the the. This is creation. It's creation. It is. So it's the beauty of the universe and the math and then the stars and the sun and the way we turn around and when things grow well and yeah. when they don't. No, we didn't just rip. Every religion uses this stuff. Right. And so does Judaism. It's just the difference with the Old Covenant is that it, it's creation and then it develops through history, God's work mm-hmm. in these people. And that leads to the, the its culmination and fulfillment in the incarnation. So the moment of light. I say this because a woman came up to me after our Christmas concert, and she said, we shouldn't be celebrating Christmas this time of year. Jesus was born on March 9th. And I said, <laughs> well, I wasn't that? aware of that. And I said, I have a, I have a buddy who's a scripture scholar. I was thinking of you. I'll run that by him, but I'm pretty sure we don't know that. So you can correct me if I, if I you know, am wrong on that. I but. don't know where she got March 9th. I yeah. don't think we have a date. No. But there's a, a star that appeared in the, in the heavens. Maybe that'll help us guide that probably means it was darkness and um i i i think as far as i understand and i don't I haven't researched this but that um the winter solstice is somewhat arbitrary but it's a cool time and it fits you know the light shines in the darkness and, yeah you know but the all this imagery around uh christmas and is enlightenment stuff, at least in Luke's gospel, and then John, like you're going to talk about. Yeah, so I, I'm interested in this because, like you said, the winter equinox falls. I don't know what March 9th is. You f- you tell us what March... I was born March 16th. Maybe that's what she was thinking. Of. She might have been confused by that. That's probably it. Um, I just think it's interesting that... Um, I used to think... I, I Advent's my favorite season. I'm very unique, and it's like everybody's favorite season. And it's like, I wonder what it is about these darkest days mm. of the year leading up to the winter equinox... What is it? It's also the craziest time of year, but mm. we all feel that deep sense of like, we have to go deeper now. It's cold and dark, mm. and there's something in us that says, now is a time to pray and wait with expectancy. Like, we all feel that mm. and are unsatisfied by the kind of materialism and electricity and these things that kind of um, that dominate our modern world. But I, um, so it, it, this was what occasioned the, the reflection um, two weeks ago. And then I, I turned to First John, uh, first, so this is the letter of John, first chapter, and it was a, um, a section that I had never really meditated much on. So it's this. starts in uh, verse 5. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie, and we do not live according to the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So we often think of God as love, but I don't think we reflect on God as light as often. And what's interesting about John's letter is he's um, pairing it with fellowship, the, this, this word koinonia, um, so communion, the, the, the bond of relationship, and truth, that these three things are kind of, um, they, they hold these things together. And um, thinking about my own life of like, what does light look like? Like, what does it mean to be light in somebody? And Father Jeff Heward, uh, who just passed away. Rest in peace. Rest yeah. in peace. Beautiful soul, had these great one-liners. And he used to, he one time said to me, he said, um, he was talking about anger. Um, and he said, uh, you're angry, it, it dims the light. Whoa. It dims the light. And I was like, that's a really beautiful way to think about the moral life. Instead of mm. these kind of, these the, do this, do that, instead of like, 
Light is something that God is. And so when God creates light on the first day, there's something that is expressing of his inner life, uh, but also of his truth and of, of the nature of communion. Hmm. And this light-darkness theme is going to run through the entirety of Scripture. I mean, it's everywhere. For Lent, or for Advent, and even into Christmas, we're meditating on Christ, the light of the world, breaking into history of the epiphany and the manifestation. Um, so this imagery of light, all kind of rooted in this metaphysical statement of John, which is that God is uh, phos, I think is the Greek word, mm-hmm. right? Is, is light. So any thoughts on that initially? I have see my mind just races on the var- the various metaphors. This is actually difficult for me with John's writing, and it's that he jumps from one metaphor to another, like these these analogies, com- communion, like you said, communion and light and truth. It's like hard to put everything, all the pieces together sometimes for me. But yeah, the light thing. I have been. I just preached on Sunday. Um, that was Isaiah, and he's talking about comfort, comfort on my people. Israel's, you know, received enough, and now she's in darkness, but the glory of God will dawn. And um, I had been thinking on and working with the um, the motif of enlightenment in Luke's gospel. Mm. You know, the dawn from on high shall break upon us to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. So, like, where does peace come from? It comes from enlightenment. And very similar to what kind of what you're saying with the, the dimming, I preached about what are the, some darkness in our life and how do we get honest about that? And I used um, anger, uh, fear, shame, and um, what was the last one? Anger, fear, shame, and sadness. And um, just kind of like encouraging people. It was very psych. psych- psychologistic Mm -hmm. that's not a word either but um just encouraging people to keep their eyes open in the dark and just be be open about it be honest and then jesus will meet you there or you can just pretend everything's great you remember garonsky how are you fine 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 Fine, good good yes good good. yeah of course and when they're not yeah and i happen to be scandinavian so like i feel the darkness like some somehow we're kind of a melancholic melancholy people and maybe that comes from this living for months and months without the sun they do say it's kind of a depressing you know place and life but it's also something staid and honest and um i think it can be profound you know when you take the, the darkness seriously but um yeah welcoming the light this kind of chiaroscuro somehow it says well, I guess I don't. One thing that the darkness has not overcome it. You remember in that prologue, mm-hmm. um, Christ is the light, and the light is uh, came into the world, and darkness has not overcome it. And I think it's weird even to think on because it's like light or darkness can't stand uh, a chance against light. In fact, it's just kind of like the absence of light, isn't it? Um, so it's. I guess it's one of those metaphors of like, how can how can Christ not dispel the darkness in a person or in a an environment or in history or any of this stuff? I think somehow we have to like guard darkness and and even within a community, for example, 
or say, you know, your anger dims the light or there are things it's maybe an analogy is like Jesus promises eternal life, fullness of life. It's almost like your, your light is shining as bright as it mm-hmm. can. Does that to you mean more of as a gift to other people or a kind of thriving for the self or as a part of your mission as a Christian? You remember Jesus says you are the light of the world. So when you see, when you have this light burning bright, is that, uh, yeah, which piece does that have to do? Do you think of that more as your own thriving or is that, you know, so well, that, related there's a, to the Yeah, mission? there's a lot of questions in, in that in, that I'm kind of thinking about within exactly what you're, you're articulating here. I think the big, the, the initial thing that I took away from that first John reading was God is light. So I'm not the primary source of light for myself and for mm-hmm. other people. And that's really helpful. I participate in the light. I mm. share in the light. Now, how do I do that? Well, St. Thomas talks about three different ways, three different lights, so to speak. The light of reason, which we have by nature. Oh, okay, yeah. The light of faith. And I think that's really beautiful. Thinking of faith as a kind of light that elevates, purifies, heals, illuminates the mm. light of reason, which is darkened. We say one of the effects of original sin is the darkening of our intellects, that we don't think, we don't see things as clearly as we should faith purifies and elevates that because we're sharing in the light of christ and then last is the light of glory that's reserved for us in in the the life to come but faith is a kind of seeing and a kind of light it illuminates things when we pray when we uh, enter into christ i tell guys in seminary a lot i said your, your primary job as a priest is to help people christologically interpret their lives so to help interpret the meaningfulness of things in light of their known experience of jesus and uh, so we have to give them that experience and then we have to help them understand that and we have to witness that ourselves uh so i think that that that's just kind of one thing is just the participatory nature of human light or enlightenment so to speak that we don't do it by technique we don't come Mm. to enlightenment like the buddha or something like this Mm. um on that point of like how does light function it becomes it helps to clarify things like you can see it and, and I was told when I was making these uh, spiritual exercises that clarity is one of those important things to look for to understand the discernment about was God in that prayer. Mm. If you have clarity about something and you can articulate something new or a grace that you've received to a director, then it's pretty clear evidence of um, God at work has something has changed and it's gone from confusing or obscure into understood and clarified. So I like something that. of like light helps light for the intellect is understanding something more clearly. Yeah. I, I love that. And I also, you know, we use the, the phrase such and such person is lighthearted. Oh. So there's kind of levity as well. It brings clarity, brings levity, but yeah, it illuminates things. I was up early. I hadn't really put this talk together in the morning before the thing. We were going to co-lead it, Lark and I, and I was just like, co-leading talks, it's not going to work. Probably. So I'll, I'll do this one. But I was up early and the sun hadn't risen yet, and I was at my parents' house, and then it was that, we love this in Colorado, when that light starts to hit the mountains in the morning. Oh, uh, yeah. It kind of turns pink and then orange. And I was thinking about, um, yeah, the clarity of light, but also the beauty and the brilliance of first light. Yeah. When you come out of the 
the darkness of sin. Uh, we all we have all had these moments, um, especially the really pivotal ones in our life, where things just clarify, uh, and we see we yeah. see something. Um, so and it's beautiful and impressive. And yeah, it fills you with gratitude and yeah. wonder. And so sometimes we have to kind of return back to those the sunrise moments, so to speak, of the spiritual life of when we're feeling like we're in darkness. Say, what put me on this path? What was it with Christ? Is that the light came down and was born? I love the Josh Garrels song uh, "Light Came Down." That's like one of the first ones I always listen to in in at yes in Advent. Um, <laughs> but he's talking about the descent of Christ, and he's reflecting on uh, John chapter twelve. Let me see if I can find it. I have come as light into the world that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not, uh, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world but to save the world. So it's that similar theme uh, in John chapter 12 here, right before the, the washing of the disciples' feet. That's his, that's his last word to them before we move into chapter 13. And we're in, we're in the Last Supper here, and he's talking about the, the significance of I came into the world to bring light and to be the, to be the light of the world. And I do think when he says, you are the light of the world, and he points to us Christians, it's the light of Christ in us that is the light of the world. And I think that's, that's important. Mm. Um, and that can get, if we don't keep that straight, then, then I think we put a lot of pressure on ourselves uh, to fix problems, to show people what's right, mm. to illuminate them. As, and, and a lot of times we get confused with how we see things. Yeah, I like that. I was just thinking of, um, it's kind of like, well, what do I do with darkness then? Like, people who know everything, see everything so clearly, everything is enlightened in their consciousness, and they obviously are so connected with God that they don't have any darkness around them, and um, or especially confusion, you know? I'm like, well, how much of this is the Christian life? I I happen to like the the idea that life is still really messy and confusing yeah. and mysterious, and that maybe that's part of this like sort of condescension of God into the um, into the mess into the darkness of of human human experience. But I I like that that you're saying like that's not us. It's not my light that shines on other people. I can't walk around and tell them who they are and what's going on and yeah. all this stuff as if I'm the one um, showing everyone stuff, you know. I think if you have your eyes open, you might be able to say, hey, open your eyes, you know. Here's here's what you could see and um, in the light of grace. And I think that's well worth it. It's like going into the Plato's cave and drawing people out. No, you can understand right. things. You will understand with Christ. The sun is shining, all these kinds of things. But maybe there's also just like a, I, maybe can you say there's like seasons or like the, the cycle of the day, darkness, light, because I, I mean, what if somebody is listening to this and they say, well, I don't understand everything. Then are they going to say, well, I don't obviously don't have the right relationship with God or God doesn't uh, enlightens other people, but not me or whatever. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, and I think what that do I do with darkness? We have to. Uh, yeah, that that's that's a great question. One of the hallmark terms confusion. Of, of modernity is enlightenment. So this is 17th century 
we we deem what happens uh, with the discovery of empirical sciences and these things and and kind of mathematics and the whole kind of reworking of the worldview of the modern man as enlightenment, which means that we've now put away the thousand years of barbarism and yeah. stupidity, as, as Voltaire calls it. Mm-hmm. The dark ages are behind us now. It's the enlightenment. So right. as moderns, we live with this sense that we are the light and science is the light. Reason is the light. This is how we know these things. And I think that the creation of electricity is a really interesting mm. uh, part of that. Now, it's easy to like talk bad about it, and then a garbage truck runs into your house and you don't have power. And you don't, and all your food goes bad, and oh, you're yeah. you're literally grappling in darkness. So it's like not just hating on people like, are lighting little fires on their on their carpet floor. Exactly, yeah. It goes to barbarism fast in the seminary, um, and so I'm not I'm not kind of saying the pre modern world is just better in all these ways, but we don't look at the stars, we don't light candles, we don't think we just turn on electric lights, and I think that that fashions the way that we approach things, which is that. Mm. The spiritual life should be like turning on an electric switch and it's just like, I know God so that everything's clear now. Versus when we say God is light, what we have to think of it in uh, according to ana- the analogy of being. So analogy is how we proportion things that are different. And God is infinitely more unlike what we understand things to be than to be things. He's not just a light like these lamps are lights. Mm-hmm. He's, he's less like light than we know because he transcends that so infinitely. So that means that light sometimes looks like darkness in the spiritual life. And as we've experienced, mm. sometimes you move deeper into things and the, it's, the light is there, but it's more mysterious. Mm. It's less understood. I, I, my life is more of a mystery. Um, and that's why we need, we need the Father Jeff Hewards of the world, these great mentors that we have to help us navigate and understand and almost like be reconditioned to the light because it's deeper, it's more subtle, it's more profound. Mm. And I think that's what Advent's about. Advent's this kind of plunge into darkness mm. to kind of, which leads us to kind of surrender our understanding of this is what it means for God to give me light and to kind of die to that little grasp of possession around, I need you to fix this, I need you to show me what's going on in my family and my mm. friends and my job and my community, whatever. Um, and it refashions the heart to a new openness. Mm. And this is where Mary comes into the picture, I think. Because Mary t- teaches us how to wait in expectancy with wonder. And that's what's so beautiful about her. Her feminine and beauty and her childlikeness is that wonder at being is the beginning of thought. This is what gets us thinking about things. Um, and that kind of reverence um, and and expectancy of like waiting for the light that makes things more ex- exciting book said give a talk about expectancy and i was like hmm. and i never really got to it but you you expect do we expect god to come like pregnant uh women wait for expectantly yeah. for their children it's a joyful but also yeah. a, a nervousness to it like that's the kind of expectancy that advent that darkness brings about it's a it's a pregnant expectancy to use that word um and and that marian posture when we think of it from a feminine way then it's it's really about readiness it's the the ultimate readiness is the is the family ready to have another child uh expecting a child they make all the preparations and then 
Yeah. They just wait and anticipate. But, and it's like, are we looking to Christ the light in that way in the midst of our darkness? Or are we looking for the electric switch to turn on so that God fixes everything and mm. shows me everything? That's the, that's the kind of, yeah. I think, the heart of Advent for me, at least right now. I like that. And I think the, the, there's a, with expectant mothers, there's a kind of mystery that, or a discomfort, I would say, that can come along with the whole and that's okay like this is this is normal someone who's been through this who's like um had a child before if you know if my sister is sick and she's feeling really gross she might get really worried like what's wrong with me there's something and then my other sister who's had a kid can say oh yeah it's the annoying you know nausea or weird cravings and all this stuff that goes with that experience and i think with the the spiritual life if you've been doing it for a little while and are kind of a, a few steps ahead you can be a kind of um blind leading the blind in a good way mm-hmm. <laughs> or like a seeing eye dog yeah. um through some of the difficulties of of uh, and the messy messiness of uh, of life while you're anticipating yeah waiting and um waiting ex- expectantly but we, while we wait in joyful hope for the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. yeah, uh, That's beautiful. And I love that you point to Mary. Of course, you know, she's the Advent character. And um, just waiting so simply. I like that you say childlike. You know, why is it this way? Why is it that way? What is this? Yeah. That wonder. Jesus is coming. And even that phrase, like I use this frequently in my prayer and in my preaching, Jesus is coming. It's so weird. It's so weird. What is that supposed to mean? Is it personal for each person? I've become more and more interested in this sort of Jesus interacting with the world is a corporate thing. Yeah. It's not about me. and It's about us. It's about the world. So when I say Jesus is coming, it's like I'm thinking about... We got wars. We need Jesus. There's injustice. There's poverty. There's all kinds of problems in the world, and we need Jesus. And I hope when I, when I believe in and I'm expecting and I'm hoping and I'm excited and waiting, I hope that means that Jesus is coming for us, big picture. Yeah. Not just for me and my whatever happiness in my life. That's fine. But the world needs you, Jesus. Let's go. Let's go. Come, Lord Jesus. Um, final thought on my end, and then I'll, I'll toss it back to you. Um, Balthazar has this beautiful uh, Christmas sermon called Setting Out into the Dark with God. And at the end of it, he says these words. And maybe this is for somebody who's listening who um, is just feeling a deep longing for the light. Um, family situations. We've had a lot of death in my extended family and my friends of my parents over the last few months. There's just a kind of heaviness that comes with the darkness and the uncertainty and the fear and these things like you mentioned uh, with the expectant mother. Um, But these are just very consoling words to me and I hope that they can be to others. So um, this is what Balthazar says. From a worldly point of view, everything may seem very dark. Your dedication may seem unproductive and a failure, but do not be afraid. You are on God's path. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Quoting John. I am walking on ahead of you and blazing the trail of Christian love for you. This is now Jesus speaking to us. It leads to your most inaccessible brother, the person most forsaken by God, but it is the path of divine love itself. You are on the right path. All who deny themselves in order to carry out love's commission are on the right path. And so uh, 
two days before Christmas as this is coming out, just to have the confidence that maybe it's been a dark advent uh, and a season without light like they've experienced in Norway in these days. Um, but Balthazar, I think a, very, a great and holy man and, and hopefully others in your life just pointing to you're on the right path. You're with Christ in the darkness because this is the light from light, as we say in the creed, the God of light who enters into the darkness and walks among us in the darkness as light and illuminates our hearts mysteriously, but only through the cross and to the fullness of light, which is the resurrection. So beautiful. There you go. I just, I mean, the thing that I think of immediately is that we're two days out of, uh, from St. Lucy day and that's a big Scandinavian holiday. Mm -hmm. You know, St. Lucy, the light, and um, they have this tradition of wearing crowns of candles on the girls' heads, and it's so pretty. And I was hoping that my my nieces are getting just, like, almost old enough to do this. And um, it just makes me think of, like, how, yeah, how pretty the light can be and how pretty people can be in enlightened in the darkness yeah. and um i don't know it's just a beautiful beautiful image and i hope people have that take that same hope and all the all that that light can mean in um in the midst of darkness like you're saying it's like you you can stop stumbling around in the dark you can understand things when light light is present um you can feel comfort in, and hopeful things are um yeah, things are okay, changed. There's other people around, you know, in the darkness if there's a light. So, praise God. And thank you. Um, what did he said, you are on the right path. You're on the right path. That's beautiful. All right, well, thank you for the theme, and thanks yeah, for thank you. I, the redundancy. Is, for everybody who listened, even though they heard this talk. Yeah, about sorry about that. Friend raiser. Well, I think there's more people who listen than just the friend raiser. I hope so. Well, wait, while we're at the friend raiser, moving into shout-outs here. I have to. If we can I have get to one to Bishop Vargan, Bishop Vargan, Eric Vargan, come on, dog. If you hear this, oh man, please shout us back. We're huge fans. You're doing amazing work. He's got a book coming out on chastity. It comes out in a couple weeks. There uh, we go. The something about affection, the res, the recovery of affection, or something. It looks really beautiful. Uh, but you can t- check check him out. Just Google his name. I think it's Cordum. Oh shoot, Cordum something. Uh, I'll have to look it up and. Um, his uh, his website his blog but when we were at the friends friend raiser um, I randomly drew Ned Golish into my talk you know the Golishes sure. and I referred to him What's as up, a man? dentist he's an eye doctor so uh-huh. he actually knows a lot about light sure. uh, and Ned my apologies for that um, and then a couple other guys Father Matt Henry um, newly assigned as the pastor of the cathedral in uh, Phoenix Arizona shout out to him his hey, substack hey. Via Experimentier, um, awesome. He's doing great work, and we're we're loving that. So check check him out, Father Matt Henry, and then Bishop Walker Nicholas is listening as always, which is always an honor. So he's our old buddy. Yeah, he got us drinking Maker's Mark or uh, me a long time ago. Is that right? Yeah, we saw the Exorcism of Emily Rose together, <laughs> <laughs> and I told him. I remember telling him. Please, I'll still get ordained a priest, but please, please put a note in my folder that says not exorcist. <laughs> Do not make me an exorcist. That's awesome. And then my last one is uh, I got a wonderful email from Father John Eckert, who's the um, he's the pastor of Sacred Heart Catholic Church in Salisbury, North Carolina, and he was just very encouraging. We did this one on Pope Francis and how to think right now amidst the turmoil, and he was just a 
just a real brother. You know, you get that sense of just like, this is our kind of guy. Um, so we hope to meet him. I told him, come out and ski with us sometime. Um, yep, so that's my shout-outs. Okay. Well, just a shout-out then to my cousin, Brandon Lujan, who is also an eye doctor. And uh, he's dedicated a lot of his life to helping people with their eyes in a like a hands-on practice and then a lot of research and teaching so um uh, respect to him and uh, shout to him he's also been kind of a guide to me and a good example of you know uh, sincere seeking of the truth and and then i guess to um cj mass who encouraged me in um pursuing a goal like a bucket list um goal of uh being the priest who's preached the most about puffins <laughs> over the course of his priestly life or he kind of challenged me like he thinks he could outdo it in but, puffins but i don't know how i didn't think of this before but puffins see uv light and their beaks shine uh, like glow in the dark to other birds oh. who see uv light we can't see uv light because our eyes don't have those cones but there's certain animals that do see those wavelengths of light and um, maybe the Christian eyes can see a different wavelength of God like but um, anyway if we could see correctly or fully we would see puffin beaks I like it I like it so anyway CJ you're okay but you're going down yeah that's right this is a tall order CJ but respect you Um, maybe just closing with a word of thanks to you and Father Sean and Deacon uh, Jacob and then to our team as well oh, as we yeah. conclude a year. Oh, this is around Christmas. This yeah, is Merry coming Christmas, to Christmas. Guys. This is the last time I'm going to record in 2023. Um, you might have a, uh, one or two more. Katie Pellucci, um, who does our back-end social media and all the mixing and recording, who just went on a little maternity leave. Yeah. Uh, we love her and we're grateful for her. You're Mike Casberg, who's the most phlegmatic man on the planet, who runs all our tech stuff. And then the most Just. overqualified email correspondent in history, Father and Tim beautiful. Danaher. And beautiful man. And the most in- interesting man in the world, Father Tim Danaher. Uh, thanks to them. And then uh, our friends Mark Gallican and, and uh, Garrett Dean, who serve on the board and help us with the financial and legal stuff. So I just want to say shout out to all those guys and, and thanks to you for another great year. Yeah, likewise, buddy. We're coming up on uh, 14 years. Hard Woo. to believe, man. It's amazing. Well, that's great. Yeah, and I just echo that gratitude. It is uh, it is a great team, and it's a great uh, joy. I know it's always been a, a gift. So thank God for the gift that it is to us and hopefully to a lot of people. Amen. Merry uh, Christmas, little Merry Jesus. Merry Christmas, little Jesus. <laughs> Try and see like puffins this Christmas season. Hey, Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Santa, baby. Thank you.